0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Um, Today, it's Mike Kelly, and we've got James Aldis. And uh, James is the IT manager at Trevino Group and um, has just fairly recently started there. So uh, tell us a little more about what's going on in your uh, daily life, James?
1: Hey, how's it going, Mike? Uh, thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, absolutely. So I started out at the Trevino Group, I'd say about eight months ago. And, um, you know, I met with them about their goals uh, with what they wanted to complete with their uh, IT department. Uh, originally, they were with a, a managed service provider. And they, that's the, kind of the IT model that they were on for the past three, four years. You know, they, they were letting an outside company, Manage their IT infrastructure, and so they wanted to get away from that and build a IT department internally. And so that's kind of you know where they brought me in, and that's what I've been doing for the past eight months. And it's been it's been successful. We've made a lot of progress, and we're doing great. So you
0: know, I find that interesting because so often I hear this the opposite direction that that they're looking to outsource into an MSP for whatever different reasons. Um, I know that way back in the uh, early days of my career, there was we had a small slight, a small slight, a small period of time where we used an MSP, but the the service level difference was so huge that the, the oh, yeah. company quickly wanted to go back to the internal. So, so I'm wondering about the culture shift and what you've seen because when you came in, it, it had to have been used to the MSP culture. And the new culture that you're bringing in by having an internal department, what kind of changes have you seen? What, what's it been like experiencing that?
1: Right on. So, yeah, when I when I was first brought on, um, I was extremely busy, man, because, uh, you know, whenever I was introduced into their environment, the first thing I wanted to do was just audit everything, man. And they had multiple offices. So it involved a lot of traveling, a lot of moving around, a lot of documentation on What they're using, what type of equipment, you know, just learning their environment and the way that they operate as a company. Um, I had never actually, you know, worked in a uh, construction management company before. So, not only that, just learning their business culture and and the way that they conduct business. And so, um, they, you know, this particular company was unhappy with the services received from the uh, previous MSP. And so, you know, they were like, hey, you know what? Let's, you know, start our own uh, department up and, you know, the employees there are used to, you know, hey, if I have a uh, an issue, I'm going to go ahead and just submit a ticket via email um, or, you know, call in and then they'll just wait for a response on that ticket. And I guess the level of service they were receiving was, you know, uh, dissatisfactory. And so they t- decided to just put a fork in that and start building up their internal IT department and then, uh, you know, start hiring on their own, you know, IT professionals to, you know, manage the environment. And so, it's been great, man. It's just kept me busy. And, you know, um, before, uh, actually, I took this role, I was working at an MSP. And so, uh, you know, I kind of have, you know, experience on both sides of the playing field. And uh, it's, you know, I like it. So, what
0: What kind of timelines shifted for the company? So when they were used to the MSP and and putting in the help desk tickets, which has got to be a really good thing for starting up the IT department, you've already got everybody used to that. So that's good. But but I I, I, except for the remote locations or the locations that you didn't have people in-house for, um, you had to have decreased the amount of time it took from call to resolution
1: yes absolutely so um whenever i was introduced into the environment uh there was also you know some culture change the way that they like to uh do things so before they were a big email um if i need something i'm going to email someone and you know now they're using microsoft teams and they're you know getting more on the into that instant messaging system and so um you know nine times out of ten uh someone has an issue at any one of our locations it's resolved you know Probably within five to 10 minutes. Uh, And, you know, one of the things that I'd like to do whenever I come into a new environment is I like to look at the trends and the common issues that people have. Uh, That way I can kind of, you know, come up with a solution. Uh, So that way, you know, let's say 50 percent of my issues are coming from this type of uh, technical issue. If I come up with a solution, then, you know, 50% of my workload goes away when it comes to, you know, support tickets and I can focus on more of the infrastructure side and trying to make things more efficient for the employees and the environment. And so, um, you know, it was pretty um, rigorous whenever it came to going out to each location and figuring out what each location required in order to operate efficiently. And so, um it was a definite culture change, but um, I've gotten it to a point now where you know it's like a well-oiled machine. Everything's running smooth, and you know, everyone's happy. Everyone's excited, and you know, they no longer get headaches over you know technical issues that you know they're having.
0: So um, I know that within our organization, um, people are expecting instant answers, just like you're you're talking about. You know that that five to ten minutes. Um, how many locations are you talking about?
1: So right now, we currently have four locations. Uh, We got a a corporate office here in Houston. Uh, We have an office up in Dallas, an office in Galveston, and then an office in San Antonio. So we're kind of, you know, spread apart, you know, around Texas.
0: Yeah. And then um, did you bring staff in at every one of the locations or just mainly at the corporate and then they do remote assist?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, mainly just here at the corporate office, uh, we probably have around 100 employees total. So, um, you know, once we start scaling more with employees, we'll hire on more individuals to, you know, manage the technical environment. Um one of the main things uh, that I can talk about uh, whenever they, with the MSP, whenever I was first brought on, there was still, you know, some overlap in that contract that they had with them. So I got to work with that MSP a little bit, do some offboarding with them. So it's not like I was walking into an environment completely unknown, not knowing, you know, what the administrative credentials were for the domain controller or something like that. Uh, so I was able to, you know, do a little bit of offboarding with them and kind of get situated so that i you know didn't walk into an environment completely unknown
0: yeah that's good that's always helpful because (laughs) walking into that environment with and just having to pick up all of the uh the toys so to speak that that somebody else has left around on the floor and then try to figure it out from there is never a easy thing to do
1: yeah yeah absolutely and i'm not gonna say it was perfect you know um because, you know, offboarding with this uh, MSP, uh, they, they the company, they do a lot of work in the uh, cloud. So they use Microsoft Azure. And so, uh, you know, being under that MSP's tenant and, you know, things of that nature, it was a little rocky trying to get everything situated. But um, we got it to a point now where it's good. Um, and then obviously transferring all the equipment over to our side internally and, and not being, you know, under their name and under their scope, uh, that was a task as well because um, it was. I, I can kind of see the frustration that this company was having uh, trying to get things completed with this uh, MSP. And I'm not saying all MSPs operate this way. When I worked with uh, the MSP that I worked with, whenever I got out of the military, you know, I was extremely happy with, uh, you know, the work environment. We got done, got things done quickly and efficiently, and so, you know. Having to work with this MSP and you know dealing with some of the things that the employees here had to deal with, I can see why they decided to swap away.
0: so you know um, we we've had a heavy focus on talking about the MSP, the one that you work with, the one that that you're helping replace. the um, a lot of my conversations lately with other i t leaders, has been around MSPs, and and there's been a couple of them that have talked about that experience of working at an MSP and how it gives you a really good experience so that not only are you learning different technologies, um, but you're getting a broader look across more industries. Um, What kind of experiences did you have at the MSP that you, you worked at after the military?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. So, um, yeah, uh, working at a managed service provider is a definite great way to get a lot of exposure to a lot of different technologies, a lot of different industries. And not only that, but really learn uh, from the business side of things what, you know, clients expect from you, uh, you know. Uh, on, on their service agreement. And so, uh, when I worked with the MSP, I had never worked with an MSP before. I, I had been, you know, working it with the United States army for, you know, five years and eight months. And so when I transitioned out and started working with this MSP, I loved it because, um, you know, I was working at dental clinics, hospitals, uh, uh, I was going over to uh, accounting offices and I was dealing with Ubiquiti, uh Dell, HP, um, Cisco. Uh, I was flying out, installing um, Meraki switches and uh, Meraki firewalls and stuff. And so it, it gave me so much exposure to a lot of different vendors. And, you know, coming from the military, I had primarily only worked with Cisco. Um, I was an IT specialist and I would, you know, work mainly with just uh, a Cisco environment and, Transitioning out, I got so much exposure to a lot of different vendors, and it, it really gave me an idea of just how much out is out there, and how much you know you need to learn as an IT professional to stay ahead of the game and continue to grow with your industry. And so, uh, I'll say it—you know, just like a lot of other professionals say it—an MSP is a really great way to uh, start out your career um, because it gives you so much exposure.
0: So, and, and you brought up the military experience, and I definitely wanted to dive in to that a little more because i myself never was in the military and, and by the way thank you for your service um, absolutely man you know especially here we are on the, on the verge of uh, memorial day weekend and, and definitely <laughs> call that one out so truly thank you um the experiences that you had in the military um that had to have been a different environment because we always hear all of the the stories about how um, the military and and the level of technology, some areas they're like super far ahead of everybody else. but then mm-hmm. in the implementation and everything, um, we hear stories or or I've heard stories of of it just being super slow and and just some of the things the red tape that they make you go through to a, achieve a goal where you know, being in private industry, I can just go purchase the equipment configure it and get it done. Um, what? Talk to me so about some of those experiences. What What stories do you got for me, brother?
1: Right on, man. Uh, so, you know, yeah. So uh, to kind of preface that question uh, there. So uh, before I even joined the military, um, I had always knew that I wanted to work in the IT industry. And so um, I had been into computers. I had been into IT security from a young age. And uh, so, not to go too far off track, but, you know, when I was young, I remember, man, I was playing video games. And one day, you know, I was just sitting there playing video games and out of nowhere, you know, my, my internet disconnected and I'm like, you know, what, what's going on here? And my internet stayed disconnected for about 30 minutes. And, you know, upon doing some research, I had learned that I had got DDoS, you know, a distributed denial of service. And, uh, so you know that led me to doing a bunch of research on what that was, how it worked, and you know how to uh, you know combat that. And then I started learning, you know, what is a static IP, what is a dynamic IP. Can I change my IP address so that they can no longer attack that same IP address? And um, so that's so kind of really what's what started yeah, it, man. And let's, um, say, let's
0: stick with this for a second. Let's follow this thread for a few more minutes because, like, when I was a kid playing video games, dude, I got to stand in line to be one of the, the kids, one of the first kids to play Asteroids at the local grocery store. That was the first video game I got to play. Wow. Um, and, and, and I'm kind of aging myself. So, so, you know, having an online game that I'm playing and to get DDoSed and um, to lose the ability to play, and then, you know, just not getting stuck there and just going, well, dang, what happened? Um, the fact that you figured out what happened and then figured out how to remediate some of that
1: um it's completely different experience how old were you when you were dealing with this oh man i middle school had to have been like 6th grade whenever i you know really started diving into you know what happened to me and and uh that's kind of what started it all i was been 12 years old okay yeah, so I was keep going really young. tell me
0: tell me so where where did you go to start learning about DDoS, um, about networking, finding out what the difference between a dynamic IP, a static IP, uh, about the fact that you're, you're getting attacked and all you had to do was unplug your router, plug it back in, and you probably had a new IP address that they were no longer attacking the right one?
1: Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, I remember I had got DDoSed and uh, eventually my internet came back online and I looked at my messages and some guy had messaged me, uh, bloating that he was the reason why I got disconnected. And I honestly just asked him like, how did you do that? And he told me what he did. Then I started Googling and I found a, uh, security forum and it's not too popular now. Um, but back in the day it was pretty popular. And a guy named, uh, Brian Krebs, he's a, um, Cybersecurity Batman. journalist. Yeah. He's, he's an awesome guy. I love the work that he does. Um, he, he's covered, you know, this, uh, forum many times and it's called hackforums.net. It's ran by a guy named Jesse LaBroca out in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, I ended up on his website and, um, you know, I I was just seeing all of the stuff on there. There was a lot of people selling uh, DDOS um, services. Um, you know, they they're known as web stressors. and so people would go on this website and they would purchase a membership and they would utilize that with an IP sniffer. And you know, back in the Xbox 360 days, um, you know. Really just back in the day, if you were playing online, you were playing on peer to peer networks. And so you were connecting directly to someone. Whereas nowadays, most of the time you're connecting to a game server that, you know, is DDoS protected, you know, has Cloudflare behind it or something like that. And so you can't really sniff the IPs of the people connecting to that server. All you'll get is that server itself. And so, um, It was so easy back in the day for somebody to just run this on their home network and scan all the ips you know connecting to the host on the game that you're playing and uh you know they can get that ip address and punch it into a you know a website and now they can get information on you know where you're located um the i the internet service provider that you use and things of that nature and so um once I started learning about you know, how DDoSing worked and you know, how to combat it, you know, for me, it was, it was simple. You just go to the command prompt, you IP config release, IP config renew, and you get a new IP address. I know it's uncommon nowadays to be able to just do that because most ISPs, at least from my experience, will just issue you out a static IP address and... What you see is what you get, and the only way you can change it is if you, you know, call in and uh, get them to change it. And so, um, yeah, uh, I went down the rabbit hole, and I just started learning more and more about IT security. And you know, that's when I knew, like, hey, you know, I really like this. You know, I, I like figuring things out. And when I went into the uh, recruiter's office for the United States Army, um, he gave me a huge list of jobs, and. The one job I wanted, IT specialist, wasn't on there. I guess it wasn't available. They didn't have enough slots at the time. I don't know what it was. So I told the guy, I was like, hey, listen, like, I'm, I'm very interested in joining, you know, but I'm only going to join if I get this job. And so uh, after, you know, some pulling and some tugging, he was able to get me the job. And I enlisted and I signed a five-year, eight-month contract as an IT specialist. And that's kind of how I operated, uh, you know, for the Beginning parts of parts of my career, and I, I honestly I loved it. So, uh, getting brought up yeah. in the United States Army um, uh-huh. when it when it comes to, as an IT professional, it was a great experience for me. Um, and you know, depending on the type of unit that you get into, yeah, you'll be working with older equipment, newer equipment. Um, but it, it was it was it was awesome. It really gave me a lot of experience and really put me where I am today.
0: So, I mean, the majority of things that that we've talked about so far, when it comes to this this avenue of cybersecurity, have all been network based, and and as I'm sure you know, um, cybersecurity has gotten so much larger than that. But but the fundamental layer is the networking. Without the interconnectivity, there's no <laughs> there's no cyber. <laughs> um, so, what was what was your areas of focus? Um, because you obviously started with the networking. Did you go deeper? Did you go out to the, the, the different avenues of it? Um, Did you learn about the vulnerabilities within the hardware and the OS and, and those kinds of things, or did you mainly stick with the, the networking and that, that type of security?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, when it comes to, you know, how I got into IT, um, One of the things that had happened to me, uh, and I'm sure you probably know this term, um, but it's called swatting. And so, yeah, so swatting is a prank that people play, uh, on individuals online. And so that happened to me at a very young age. Uh, it was actually on the news and, um, I was like, I think I was in like 10th grade when it had happened. Uh, someone had pulled this on me. And, um, so Whenever they had did this, I found out that they had got into my Skype account, and I used to have Skype credits attached to my Skype account, and so they made the phone call using my Skype account, and um, you know, obviously the law enforcement showed up. Um, They finally had determined it was a prank, and um, I, I eventually had to turn over my computer to the law enforcement so that they can go through and do some sort of data forensics on it to see if they can figure out, you know, who had done this. I knew that that they weren't going to figure out who had done it. And so I started digging and I was trying to figure out how did they get into my Skype account? How did they, you know, do the things that they had did? And so uh upon digging uh i found that there was a website that i was a part of it had got breached it was a, had it had been a part of a database breach and yeah. so all the user credentials were dehashed and put online uh and so what had happened was yeah. this guy had you know got a hold of that database breach and he was specifically targeting me and so from there i had used the same password on that website that i did on Hash. skype And they were able to get into my Skype account. And, you know, once you figure out someone's name, um, or phone number, you can pretty much figure out anything, you know, you want to know about them. And so um, they had uh, probably used some online tools. I know there's a tool called Spokio out there that you can use for, um, you know, trying to find information out about somebody online. A lot of private investigators will use it. Um, And so uh, after I had got swatted, some weird events started happening. Uh, Like, for instance, I got a phone call from the social security office asking if I had called them recently uh, to get some information from them that they had, you know, possibly thought that it was an imposter. And it in fact was. And you know then I started doing research on my social security number, and I realized that somebody opened up like a cable bill in my name in California or something, and you know, I'm a kid, I'm in high school, I've never been to California in my life, and so for me, I was like, "Wow, man, like like this is insane like i t security is extremely important, and you gotta be very careful, you know how you conduct yourself online like so that led me to being like very, very um you know." I I almost like any website I sign on nowadays. I use like 15 plus characters mixed. I used uppercase lowercase multiple symbols and I don't ever use the same password twice Um, and I'm constantly trying to check to see if any website that I've ever signed up on has been a part of a breach and um, you know. Thankfully, ever since that incident, since I was a kid, you know, it's never happened again. But, you know, imagine trying to explain to your dad or your mom, like, what just happened, you know? Uh, they didn't know things like that even existed, you know? Whenever I was in 10th grade and and I was a victim of this prank, uh, they they still couldn't comprehend it. I had to sit down and explain it to them, you know, what had happened. I was like, you know, so this happens to celebrities all the time, Um And it's a very, very deadly, you know, prank that, you know, these individuals will do. And, um, the, the specific person that had did this to me, uh, was using a IP relay system, um, I can't remember the name of the company that, that came out with this VoIP relay system, but the way that it works is, um, you can connect into a call, you can type stuff into a, a chat box, and then the operator will relay that to the person that you're connected to a phone call with, and so um, that's what this guy was doing, man. And, and uh, you know, it's a way they do it this way to remain anonymous, you know. Um, and so that happened to me and ever since then man I've, I've always taken like it security extremely important because i know what can happen if you don't and um uh, i've just been chugging along ever since and, and trying to learn as much as possible because you know we are in a growing industry and you know everything's always changing the, the the trend nowadays is cybersecurity and ai and i'm sure in the next five years ai is going to ai is going to be leveraged uh, a lot more um, with what we do as professionals. And so there's going to be new technologies coming out and new and new things coming out that we're going to have to keep up with. And so that's kind of one of the things that keeps me excited. It reminds me kind of like, you know, operating a seam. you know, you're going to keep drilling into that data until you finally figure it out. And so um, that's one of the reasons why I love working in the IT industry. Yeah,
0: it definitely keeps me interested. Uh, the uh, cybersecurity's always been one of those interests for me, and and coming from the era that I did uh, the majority of it was the networking pieces. But but man, mm-hmm. you brought up so many of the the different things. The the size of your password, because the more characters it is, the each one adds so many more choices and and takes so much longer passwords under eight characters anymore any of them can be broken um just through a a brute force and and the ways that that we can test that um yeah and i have no idea how ai being in the opposite sides hands and in the black hats hands are going Mm -hmm. to um add to all of this and and heck even in what what we call the script kiddies? Because you know the the guy that was doing the um, swatting that got you, um, he was using tools that are existing out there, and he just read how to use them, exactly. leveraged those, and and went and did. It's not like he had any specific extra skill set, except for the fact that he started playing with those things, got the experience in it, and then started doing stuff with it.
1: Yeah, man. And it, it kind of goes into the, uh, you know, surface of, um, you know, user end user training. Um, a lot of breaches happen because end users or, you know, operators or support teams are not really educated in the methodologies that these threat actors use in order to gain access to systems. Like, um, there's a lot of celebrities their you know, social media accounts get hacked, um, their YouTubes get hacked and nine times out of 10, it's due to social engineering. Um, and so, um, you know, that happened to me whenever this person had called, you know, the social security office and was, you know, pretending to be me and uh, got a little bit of information out of them um, before, you know, they, I guess, probably realized that it was not who they say they were. They were trying to pretend to be me. Um there's this website too. It's called, um, it's, it used to be only on the dark web, but now uh, you can find it on the clear net. It's called docsbin.com, I, I believe, or doc, docs, net. Um, it's somewhere it's, it's one of those, uh, extensions. And, um, my, my information was publicly posted on that website uh, around the time that this had happened, um, back when I was in, you know, high school, middle school. And so, man, it took a lot of, uh, a, it took a lot of motivation and drive to try to get that off of there because one of the main things that that uh, website you know, advertises is, you know, once your information's posted, it's never coming off. And this is not illegal because it's public information. And so, um, you know, still to this day, that website's on there and it's crazy because there's information, sensitive information on there that can be used, uh, to compromise people through social engineering. You know, um, the way that social engineering works is I'm going to gather as much information as I can on somebody so that I can impersonate them and call someone and try to get into their systems. And, It's still very much a threat today and uh, something that, you know, needs to be looked at, man. Yeah,
0: and um, I'm assuming that it's kind of, or it's real close to where that term comes out, doxed, you know, when when all of our public information or, or information is posted. Not to mention, even if you got everything cleared off of it today and going forward, there's still the Wayback Machine where you can go see any web page and what it had on it at any day or at any t- point in time in the past. Because they're oh, yeah. they're just doing that that whole um, harvesting of every web page so that they can get publicly access and, and yeah. the content so that you can look at it and see what heck you
1: can still find MySpace pages. <laughs> and if, if you even know what MySpace is. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember it. I remember it back in the day. I'm not too big on uh, social media, but um, yeah, I remember when good. MySpace was the uh, it was the wave back in the day, man. Everybody was on there.
0: Yeah. All right. So, so uh, tell me a little more about the the military experience. And so you you got the job that you wanted. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the lessons that's out there. It's that you know you found something that you wanted. And you worked towards that and you held out to get that. You didn't just take whatever they gave you. Um, and so they started training you. What was? Tell me a little more about that experience. What was it like going into the military, going into foreign countries and being an IT specialist?
1: Yeah, right on. So, um, you know, when I joined the military, man, um, pretty much all of my knowledge surrounding IT was just, you know, research I had done online uh, about I- IT security, cybersecurity, you know, DDoSing, uh, social engineering, things of that nature. And um, so, you know, moving on to an IT uh, an IT specialist and working professionally as one, it was a little bit different, man. Um, I was real in tune with Windows operating system, Windows server and stuff like that, um, just because I had messed with it a lot before I was in the Army, and so um, part of my job as an IT specialist, though, was I was in charge of managing um, some Cisco equipment, you know, some Layer 3 switches, and uh, we had something called a uh, CPN node, and so uh, they call it, or it's just a CPN, it's a command post node, and so one of my main focuses as an IT specialist in the Army is that anytime we go out to a field, we go out to, um, you know, a deployment uh whether it be Afghanistan, uh, Germany, or anywhere in the world, um, they want to train you to be able to set up a tactical network. And so, uh, one of my jobs was, is I I would uh, set up the CPN node, um, which had two layer three switches in it. It had uh, a couple TAC lanes, which are uh, encryption devices that would encrypt the, the network coming in from the uh, satellite dish that we had. And so... I had to learn all of this. And so going into the military, uh, one of my very first experiences was, um, you know, I got to my unit and they're like, Hey, you know, we're going to be doing a rotation in Europe and we're leaving in like three months. And so I'm like, okay, you know, cool. Never been out of the country before let's do it. Um, and so I remember whenever I got into uh, the country, we were doing a field exercise in Romania and my, um, my NCO at the time, uh, he, he was basically he looked at me and he was like, hey, you know, I had been a di- I had been doing a little bit of training on uh, the CPN node and trying to learn, you know, how to configure a Cisco switch and stuff like that. Uh, we also had a QCOM server, so it was basically a voiceover IP for Cisco. And so, you know, I was in charge of managing all this. And uh, I remember we're in the tent. We had set up the CPN. Uh, it had power to it. Uh, our STT, which was our satellite that was uh, you know, shooting up to a satellite in the sky somewhere, uh, was providing the connection. It was on the bird. Everything was solid. And so now it was my job to go in there and get the job done. And so my, my NCO looks at me, and he's like, hey, listen. Uh, he tells everyone. He's like, everyone, get out of the tent. And so everyone just disperses out of the tent. And he looks at me. He's like, "He's like, hey, Alvis. He was like, you're going to get this up and if you don't you know the mission's going to be a failure because of you and so you know me as a young kid i'm like man like <laughs> man like you know it just the hammer just got dropped on me and now i'm on fire and so right. um I went in and, uh, I, I console into the switch and, you know, I go over to the tunnel configs and I'm like looking at the, the mission, uh, set and I'm trying to, you know, figure this out. And it honestly wasn't too hard of a, uh, of a task. So whenever we get a mission set, um, it has all the tunnel configs so the ips that you need to configure in and everything and so all you got to do is just go line by line and punch it in so i uh you know i consoleed in i interfaced into the tunnel configs and i just punched them in man uh you know saved my configs and boom we were pumping man we had uh we had the nipper net up and we had the sipper net up and everything was working i didn't even have to go into the tackling and you know mess around with some configs in there and and you know I explained that all to you in about five minutes, but it took me about 45 minutes to an hour to get it done. But uh, the whole point of that exercise, and I understand it well today was, you know, my NCO just wanted to give me the confidence you know, that, hey, you know, if you don't give up, you'll figure it out. And so uh, that kind of what that's kind of what started my confidence uh, as an IT professional. Um, Nowadays, uh, I thrive in taking on the tasks that, you know, no one can figure out or the unknown, because I know that those are the sorts of tasks that's going to grow me as an IT professional. Um, And so um, anyone that I've ever worked with will tell you, man, like, if there's something that someone can't figure it out, I'm the guy that would go in there and sit there for hours and hours and hours until the job gets done. And, you know, I'd like to think of that as a strength, but it's also a weakness because you get tunnel vision. And, um, you know, to give you a bit of an example, uh, when I was in Afghanistan, I wasn't a satellite guy, but, um, a lot of the technology that was inside of the satellite, I understood, you know, all the Cisco equipment and stuff. And so, in Afghanistan, our backup network, uh, in case our fiber went down, was a uh, a snap terminal, which is a sipper-nipper access point, and it basically is our backup connection in case our fiber line goes down. And so um, what would happen is uh, we would have to make sure that our backup connection is solid all the time and it's always connected in case of an outage, so that way if we're running a mission, you know— uh, In Afghanistan, we always have connectivity in case our main line goes down. And so um, I came into the office one day and uh, my OIC was like, hey, Alvis, like, uh, you know, the the satellite's down. We don't know what's wrong. And uh, the soldier that had been trying to figure it out, um, who was the operator of that satellite, he he couldn't quite figure it out. And so I'm like, you know what, I'll go take a look at it. And so I started looking at it at about 4 p.m. and it gets to be about midnight 30. So my OIC was checking in on me like every hour and kept asking me for updates. And I'm like, Hey, sir, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. And so, um, finally he comes in at midnight and he's like, Hey, like, you gotta go, you gotta get some sleep. You know, you can, you know, attack it back tomorrow. And so, uh, one thing about me is I hate leaving, you know, things undone. And so when I went home that night, uh, and I laid in my bunk, I fell asleep and I was just constantly thinking about what did I miss? What could I do? And uh, when I came back in the next day, I fixed it in five minutes and it was, everything was good. And I just think all I needed was some sleep, man. I got tunnel vision and I kept retrying the things that I'd already tried again. And uh, yeah, a good night's rest to solve that. So, um, you know, sometimes a strength, sometimes a weakness.
0: Yeah. You know, I've had versions of that myself and, and it's like those times where I, I get that tunnel vision and I get stuck in my head and I'm running through all of the different solutions and trying to figure it out. And and it's amazing how sometimes just talking to another person instead of talking to myself, when I start describing what the issue is and how how I'm what the problem is and where I'm at, that that suddenly the dots connect. And, and oh, yeah. I'm wondering. You know, I, I'm wondering how much of this was your, your subconscious, um, putting the dots together or, or whether you had a chance to, you know, you, like you said, you just finally relaxed a little bit and, and but you still, you were still fighting it in your head, um, to, to figure out what the issue was.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, uh, a lot of, People will tell you this in the military. Um, sometimes it sucks to be a little bit too good at your job because once you start completing a lot of other jobs, you become that guy. And so, uh, (laughs) after I fixed that satellite, guess what? Um, I was the satellite guy and, uh, you know, any mission that we had to run that involved the satellites would involve me too. And so, um, uh, I remember one day after i had fixed the satellite, is probably a month after in Afghanistan, my boss comes to me. He's like, hey, we got to we got to do a mission. Um, we're going to be sending you out to uh, to I can't remember the base, the, the name of the base in Afghanistan. But um, it involved me flying over to Shindan and then over to that location. And so I'm like, oh, man. So my uh, I was going out as a one man team uh so i had this snap terminal which was a lot of gear and then i had all this radio equipment and you know there's a little bit of nervousness because i'm like man this is a lot of equipment like i gotta be in charge i gotta maintain this equipment i gotta make sure i you know remain accounted for this i can't lose anything and you know so they send me on this mission they fly me out and um i get to shindan at like 2 a.m in the morning and everyone uh, gets off of the um uh, The chinook and i'm just like i'm just like man now i gotta find a way to get this gear all the way over to a storage and secure it you know um overnight and so i had to go find a forklift that was randomly laying around somewhere on base and i just drove it over there started lifting it up one by one and uh finally after doing that i found where my team was located because i had never been on this, uh, small little fob before. And so finally, when I found that out, uh, they were able to kind of help me finish it up and then, um, uh, come to find out the mission that I was getting sent out to everyone got pulled out because we had a couple uh, soldiers, uh, pass away, um, due to, um, they call it green on blue. And so we had some, uh, Afghani soldiers, uh, shoot some of the soldiers uh that were that they were working with you know and they're supposed to be allies and so uh the uh, general that was over afghanistan was like you know what we're pulling all of our troops out of that base and so that was the base that i was going to and i ended up not having to do that but uh when i got back and i dropped off that satellite uh there was a new unit coming in and they're like they're like hey uh you know you, you know how to work the snap terminals, right? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I know a little bit, uh, I've been doing, I've been doing it for about six months now. And so I had to, you know, teach a whole class and that kind of, you know, goes on to, once you, once you learn something, you become that guy, uh, in the military. And I, I think really that that kind of translates over to the civilian side as well, you know, and so you can really kind of overwork yourself if you start dipping your hand in too many pots. Yeah.
0: Um, it's, you know we're we're suffering from some of that too. In, and, and I call it the only one. You know, because um, there you become the person that everybody comes to for that specific thing. Um, mm-hmm. I've always been good at Excel, so I, I've got lots of people who come to me for their Excel issues still to to this day. And it, it's um, <laughs> and I don't do any of that stuff anymore. Um, <laughs> you know the level of management that i'm working with i i of course do spreadsheets for myself but but yeah the only one um there's so many different ways that, that that can it can be good but if you're not teaching others or or that information's not being shared amongst the team then if something happens to that person then the whole team be, is diminished because oh, yeah. you've lost you have lost that guy that everybody can go to to help with the, the satellites or with um, the Cisco networking or whatever it happens to be, Active Directory, um, email, <laughs> that guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but like everything else, you know, it can be, oh, we got to go get that guy. Or it's, oh, <laughs> we've got to go talk to that guy. <laughs> so okay a um, couple of different interesting stories from, from your time in the military then you get back to the US and, and you start working with an MSP and now you're you're starting to broaden the horizons a lot more or you're still sticking with the, the networking because a, a lot of the stuff that you mentioned was still networking focused earlier when you yeah. we were talking about the MSP
1: yeah, no, 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 absolutely, man. So, um, I, I'm the type of guy, uh, you know, as I explained to you in, in our emails, like I, I, I hate to, so whenever somebody asks you the question, you know, where do you see yourself in the IT industry, you know, five years from now, you know, uh, and, you know, most people will be like, I want to be the, the senior most, uh, talented network engineer that's in this organization, or I want to be the best cybersecurity analyst or uh, cyber auditor, or I want to be the best system admin I can be or a system engineer. And, you know, for me, that question is so loaded, because, you know, I don't want to focus on one domain, I I like to learn a little bit about everything. Because when I walk into an environment, uh, I want to be able to understand and know everything from A to Z what's going on, regardless of what the issue is I can at least know a little bit about it and I might be able to figure it out. And so that's a lot that's a lot with just troubleshooting in general. Um, as long as you have that base knowledge and you can kind of understand, you know a little bit of what's going on, it can guide you to that right answer. And so, um, you know I, I I will tackle any issue when it comes to it being a technical issue just because um i I like learning. um, and so that's kind of where I'm at now in my career is like, you know, I, I'm enrolled into college and I'm, I'm pursuing my bachelor's degree, but I'm also pursuing multiple certifications. And, you know, I'm always trying to find new ways to learn more. And so when I'm looking at like future positions, the two things I look at is, will I grow in this position? Will I learn more about what it is to be an IT professional? Um, Am, am I going to learn more on the technical aspect when it comes to XYZ? Uh, and then, you know, also the financial aspect. I, I take both those into consideration whenever it, it goes into moving into a new position because I want to make sure that, you know, it's going to grow me. I'm not going to get into this position and I'm just going to, you know, be sitting there doing the same things that I always do every single day. Like my mind doesn't operate that way. I always got to be looking towards the next thing and, and trying to learn something new. And so, um, yeah, right now I'm, uh, I'm, st- I'm studying uh, CIS-P. I am uh, get, go, going for my cloud computing degree in WGU, and I also do uh, a really good resource is the Me Rooms. Um, you know, I've been doing that for the past three to four weeks now, and I haven't missed a day. And that's also a really good resource because it's practical, you know, training that you can do. It's hands-on. And so that's another thing that I love is just hands-on training. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, a really important thing within our industry and, and just in general. It doesn't matter what industry or, or what, what your specialty is. It's that continuous learning. Just keep learning and being able to apply those different things that you're learning to, to growing. Um, you know, I, you threw something in there and, and kind of zipped by it, but it's really critical, which was the, the financial piece the business side of the house. Mm-hmm. So um, I I'm sure you didn't have much of a chance to do that within the military, but as you went into the MSP, you probably had a little more experience with that that piece. How did how did you get from the working at an MSP to being hired with an organization to replace an MSP? Did um did the people at the organization have some experience with you and kind of recruit you or was it a job that you um heard about or saw the the advertisement for and then went after it
1: Yeah okay yeah that's a good question Mike so um yeah when i was working with an msp um i was you know, doing a bunch of various different projects. And you know, I did like working over there. But due to some personal reasons, I had to pull myself back and kind of work in a different location. And so um, I did find this company and they were trying to find a new IT manager. And so I sat down, did some interviews with them. And I found out, oh, this is really a, you know, a position where they want somebody to build an internal IT department because they were unhappy with a previous MSP that they were using. And so, um, you know, right away, I was like, wow, you know, like, this will give me some uh, managerial experience, I'll really be able to, you know, run my own project and, you know, learn from this you know and see more of a business aspect because whenever you're going into uh you know the average business owner is not going to understand the importance of you know it and and how it works in their environment and and how if you you know manage their their infrastructure in a way where everything runs very smoothly like a well-oiled machine you know now the pr- productivity boost they go up employees are you know producing more work and in a way that that brings your company profit, if you really think about it. And so um, and then there's the cybersecurity aspect that is so huge. In, in today, because a lot of, you know, MSSPs are going around and they're like, hey, if you don't hire us, you're, vul- you're going to be vulnerable. You can get hit with ransomware and, you know, this will happen to you. And while I yeah, that is true, you know, um but it's really trying to get that message across to the business owner, uh, and trying to, um, level up their it maturity within their organization, you know? And so, um, that's really was my main focus, you know, coming into this uh, company was trying to level up their IT maturity so that, you know, now they understand the importance of it. And they know that, you know, they need to replace all the end of life uh, equipment. They need to um, source out money to get uh, more advanced cybersecurity tools and, um, you know, a, a big... Um, next gen antivirus right now is Sentinel-1 a lot of MSPs are using it and that's because uh it's it's a really great tool but there's so many other great tools out there and um you know coming from a cybersecurity background like there's also a lot of vulnerabilities like uh with multi-factor nowadays um a huge thing is multi-factor and people seem to think that oh if I uh if I introduce multi-factor in my environment, it will eliminate so many different vulnerabilities. And and yes, that's true. It will, you know, but multi-factor can be exploited. You know, um, one of the ways that it can be exploited, uh, you could, let's say this, let's say your multi-factor, uh, you know, you can get a code by a phone call, right? So let's say you go to log into your machine and you punch in your phone number, you ask it to send you a phone call so that you can hear you know, the uh, code that it sends you. Well, if you don't answer that phone call, it goes to your voicemail. And one of the ways that people can exploit this is if they spoof their phone number, you know, you go home, you set up a, a voiceover IP um, network and you Wireshark spoof your your number. Now, if you call that person's number using their own phone number, it's going to patch you through their voicemail. And so if I'm trying to exploit somebody's account, uh, AOL does this, for instance, they'll send you a, um, a code straight to the voicemail. And one of the ways that you can exploit that is if I know someone's name and phone number, I'm going to wait until the dead of the night. And I'm going to uh, spoof my number to their number until I can get into their uh, voicemail. And then I'm going to use the code sent to their voicemail and boom, now I'm in their email. And so there's a lot of things that you got to look at you know, multifactor is not an end-all be-all solution. Um, Next Gen Antivirus isn't an, an a end-all be-all solution. Just because you have data backups does not mean that's a de- disaster recovery plan. And, you know, just being able to differentiate all those things and explain it to, you know, the COO or the president of a business uh, from a user level standpoint is very important. And that's a really good skill to have in the IT industry. Oh, it is so
0: important. Um, I was hearing a story about this organization that that had they they had some internal IT security team and and the IT team had actively stopped an attack on a camera or actually on the um, on the NVR for the cameras mm-hmm. and then they were trying to explain why hey you know this the system has this vulnerability and and you've you've got people who want access to this camera system when they're outside of the network, but by doing that, we've opened it up to the world, and people have found it, and they're trying to exploit it and and the The owner's like well, what what are why should I be worried? What are they going to do? <laughs> see how many hot dogs i sell and and they just they didn't understand that you know once that server was compromised, it's inside the network that that's that's the pivot point. That's where they start looking for what's the next place? How do I get towards something a little more valuable? Yes, I can see how many hot dogs are being sold, but it's it's a stepping stone and it's it's one step in. It's like like you're talking about, oh, recognizing that that the multi-factor drops the code in voicemail if a human doesn't pick it up. It doesn't say, oh wait, no human picked this up. I'm I'm talking to a, a machine for a recording. Maybe I shouldn't give the code because um, there's plenty of algorithms to to recognize that you went to voicemail versus an actual person.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and you know, there's probably someone listening now that says, well, you know, like I got to. I got a pin code on my voicemail, you know, so even if they do get into my my voicemail, how are they going to get in? Well, that voicemail pin code is four digits long, and I guarantee you that can be easily exploited. Um, And there's actually, you know, some tools right now being developed that could do such a thing. And so, um, you know, easy solution for that is just to remove, you know uh, the voicemail option. Uh, I think Microsoft is a really good, um, they do a really good job on their multi-factor. Um, and, you know, I would actually encourage other people that are developing, you know, uh, MFA tools, uh, to kind of mimic what they do. And, uh, you know, you've got duo out there that's pretty good. And so, um, you know, that's part of what I like to do too, is I like to, you know, see the technologies that a lot of people are using. And then I like to find a way like, you know, Experiment with it and figure out. You know, like, can this be exploited? Is this secure? Um, and you know, yeah. I'm kind of. I've been doing this with a with a buddy with Sentinel One. You know, Sentinel One's supposed to catch up anything that tries to change anything on a kernel level uh, within the system. And so, um, Sentinel One's pretty good. I I will say. You know, uh, it is a really good tool, um, especially for the uh, you know, user that is going to open up their Outlook and just click on the Word file that's, you know, uh, attached to an email they received because, you know, a lot of users don't realize that, you know, you can, there are vulnerabilities out there uh, where someone can, you know, encrypt a, um, a payload. Attach it to their email, send it to you, and it looks like a Word document. It acts like a Word document. The extension looks like a Word document. Um, And then, you know, once you open up that Excel, there's a macro in there that will install something in the background, and you don't even realize it, you know? And that that email that says, Hey, you missed the delivery of your new iPhone. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Yeah, man. And, you know, phishing is is a huge thing, man. I'm pretty sure anybody uh, that has to, you know, deal with IT security in their organization always has to find a way to combat, you know, phishing in their in their environment, because it's one of those things, man, that is always going to be there because you can't really block everything, you know, and the AI tools for email and the ones that are going to scan emails and, you know, they're they're not that good yet. So, um, that is, a an, another thing that's very, very common. So one of the
0: things that I always like to focus on when I'm talking to uh, my peers here in, in, dissecting popular IT nerds is I try to try to highlight the things that helped us get out from the server room or, mm-hmm. or the different, um, narrow focuses in IT into more of that management position what do you sp- <coughs> excuse me <coughs> what do you feel are the things that help you um, be seen as a leader who could develop an IT group for a company what do you what do you think that you've done that you built up within yourself? And what do you think that the leadership of um, Trevino Group saw in you to trust you
1: with building that for them? So, for one, um, you know, when I sat down with them and I discussed what they needed, I listened and I, I gave them a, a complete road map. A to z how i'm going to accomplish what they needed done and i was very confident in my plan and i executed the plan exactly how i said it i would and i did it under budget um and so um i guess uh, the answer that you're fishing for there is uh you know i was i was very methodical and i and i understood exactly what they needed and i was able to convey um, my message to them in a way that they could understand from a technical standpoint that, you know, I was going to show up on day one I was going to do this and I was going to, you know, guide uh, the IT department and get it built up in this fashion. And so it was really about confidence and and knowing that I can execute the uh, the planned task at hand. And so uh, yeah, I think that's really what kind of secured the position for me. Um, and not only that, but I'm always I'm I'm always trying to grow as a professional man, and and you you'll never meet an IT professional that knows everything. Um, and so, because there's just <laughs> you'll meet plenty of them that will tell you they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's such a wide wide range. Uh, you know, it's it's such a very wide topic, and that's why, you know, in the IT industry, we have multiple different positions uh, under that subtree, you know, and sometimes business owners don't understand that. They don't understand the difference between a network administrator and a system administrator. Uh, they don't know what a um, stock analyst is, and they don't know any of those things. They just know, hey, uh, this is my business. This is kind of what i want done and really the main things that they focus on is just like the it support things but they don't know from an infrastructure side like how important a lot of things are that makes their company run and so um just being able to explain that message and and have someone that will listen to you and and understand the importance of it is is really key in my opinion and a nice play on on going from
0: fishing to me fishing on a comment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, that one got me chuckling, even though I, I was muting so that there was no background noise. <laughs> um, you know, so what other, what other things do you, did you do to help? So the continuous education and just constant learning and listening and, you know, the, the plan, having a plan, having the confidence and executing, doing what you said, what else, what else helped turn you into a leader here? Is it it your experience in the military?
1: So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of my confidence did come from the military because a lot of the times, Mike, um, I would be given a task in the military, man, and I would have no clue how to figure it out. Sometimes I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, but just trying, man, I, I remember, um, To kind of give you an example, when I first joined the military, um, they're very big on compliance, and so uh, they would send you to go do these certifications, and they would want you to get these certifications so that you would fall under a certain IAT level under the Department of Defense so that you can hold administrative credentials to be able to do your job uh, and function more in the organization. And so, um, one of the very first classes they sent me to was Security Plus. And as a brand new guy in the military who uh, had just kind of started out his IT career, um, I didn't even know what Sec Plus was. I was just like, Oh sec plus. Okay, whatever. Like, let's go do it. And so, um, I was sitting in this class, it was a two week crash course and they basically teach you, um, whatever it is you need to know to pass that security plus exam. And so, um, I'm sitting there and I'm going through the material. A lot of it's fresh to me. And then two weeks later, um, here I am taking the exam and I ended up failing, man. And so, uh, it sucked, but I got another chance, and you know, this was two years later. I had been working as an as an IT professional. Um, I knew what SecPlus was. I knew uh, going to that very first class the type of material that was taught. And so I told my uh, NCOIC at the time, I was like, "Hey, listen, if you send me to that class, I'm going to pass hands down, you know." And I needed my my Security Plus credential so that I can get an administrative token whenever I was in Afghanistan, so that I can, you know create accounts and active directory and just have more rights on the network. And so um, they send me to this class and um, I um, went through the two week class and you learn the very last domain on Friday and then they give you the weekend to uh, study and then you take the exam on Monday. But my, my leave had started on Friday. And so I'm like, man, you know, like I want to go home and see my family before I get sent off on a combat deployment. So I, You know, I was super confident, man. I was studying every single day, falling asleep with the book in my face. Like I took it serious, extremely serious. And, um, you know, that, that literally started as soon as I told my NCYC, like, Hey, if you send me, I'm going to pass. And so, um, I begged my instructor. I was like, Hey, could I please take the exam now? And he's like, okay. I I explained to him the situation. We went over to the room. He proctored me. I took the exam and I passed. And uh, I was like, yeah, man. So it was a really good send off uh, for me to go on leave. And then, you know, from there on, man, I went, uh, I went and I did my CCNA. I did my CASP and I just started passing search left and right. And it was really like, you know, SEC plus was kind of the it gave me confidence that, you know, if I study hard enough, I try hard enough, I will accomplish whatever it is that I need to accomplish. And so that kind of helped me, you know, gain more certifications and um, all the way up to my latest one, you know, I got certified in Microsoft Azure and now I'm hammering away at SysP and I'm hoping to achieve that very shortly. You know, I'm only 27. And so um, I don't, go for certifications because i want it to be like candy on my resume i i go for certifications because i want to keep up with you know what's being used today the most up-to-date you know knowledge whenever it comes to networking security and and you know what do i need to know in the industry and i'm always going to be doing that no matter how old i get and it's also taught me that you know uh a College degree from 10 years ago is not going to be as irrelevant as a college degree now, you know, because it is always changing and these certifications are always updating. And so, um, you know, I I just have a high level of confidence whenever it comes to doing my job and accomplishing whatever it is, the mission is, and so, um, I really convey my message, uh, across very well whenever it comes to explaining uh to business leaders what it is that i need to do and why it is that i need to do those things and they understand it man it's been a great conversation
0: james absolutely mike i'm I'm really enjoying this and and i feel like we could keep going for for much longer but (laughs) but i want to i want to find out a little bit more about the personal life um you mentioned a couple of things that you're doing you've got a couple of different projects that you're working on a website that you've just released um you know this is this is a part of the show where i like to uh, <laughs> one of my coworkers called it the i love me page and and he <laughs> came from the uh, the military and he said that it was something that he learned there So you you may
1: know of that, but, but tell us about that. I do. Uh, so, um, the, I love me book is actually a book that, you know, most military people keep. And, um, it is just a book about your military career, all your, um, deployments that you went on, all your awards that you received. Um, I still have my very first PT card that I took in basic training and, um, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I open it up, man, because going into basic training as a 120 pound, you know, five foot nine kid, you know, and getting out, uh, you know, extremely weak. I was just a huge runner. I didn't really do a lot of push ups and sit ups. And so I lacked in strength and, you know, looking at my PT score, you know, upon exiting out of basic training and just seeing the drastic change, um, you know, it motivates me, man. And so, uh, you know, yeah. So, um, I, there are some things that I'm working on on the personal side. I do uh, IT consulting, and um, you know, I um, I, I started IT consulting mainly because uh, you know, I would work with people privately, and you know, I would help them fix issues, and they were like, "Hey, man, you know, you should you should do something. You know, you should start something up on your own." And so, um, to kind of give you an idea, uh, an idea, um, and, and what really kind of sparked. Me doing IT consulting on the side was uh there was this uh heart surgeon here in my hometown. Um he needed help uh, installing a home network. His house was too big, <laughs> uh way too big. Yeah. He couldn't the Wi-Fi wouldn't reach everywhere. He had this huge house. And so um he wanted me to come out there and help him um install a whole new Wi-Fi network so that it, it will be everywhere, you know, in the backyard leading down to the lake and Everything. So, you know, I went out there for a couple of days. I installed a whole new Wi-Fi system. He was, you know, help, uh, very happy with it. And then uh, he actually had the pool guy out there at the time. And the pool guy was trying to figure out why he was unable to uh, change the temperature. To his pool using the phone app anymore. And so they were getting ready to charge him 10 to 15 grand to replace the whole pool system. Like they're like, hey, you know, it's broken. You got to go buy a new one. And as I'm finishing up, he's like, hey, James, like, do you mind? You know, I know this ain't really probably, you know, this is probably outside of your avenue. But can you come take a look at, you know, my pool system? They're telling me that I might have to buy a new one. And I just want to have you look at it before I make that decision and I'm like you know what okay so I go over um you know he shows me hey this is the box that you know is supposed to communicate with the pool and so I'm looking at it and I start I start digging on the uh, website and I find out that it was such an easy issue man it just wasn't pulling an IP on the network and so you know, when he's over there trying to communicate to it, it's not even uh, connected to his home network. And so I was able to install some software off the vendor's um, website and change the IP, get it on the network and it fixed. And then the pool guy was like, Oh, man, like, um, you mind if I give you uh, if you got a card or something, you know, like, maybe if we had this issue in the future, you know, I can call you up. And you know, after I fixed that, I had a conversation, uh, uh, over coffee with the, uh, the gentleman that I was installing the network for. And we sat for two hours, man, talking about like aliens and just everything. And, you know, he was like, Hey, you really should, you know, start up your own thing, you know? Um, and so, yeah, uh, just recently I, uh, uh got contacted by a company. I had to go out to, uh, one of their, um, it was like an oil rig type office and one of their Cisco switches has went down and their IT department isn't local. Um, You know, and so they wanted to hire me to go out there and replace their Cisco switch. And you know, that was an easy job. And so I've been doing that on the side. Um, There's also an another company I'm working on with some buddies. Uh, It's, it's a graphic design as a subscription. Um, I'm a huge graphic uh, design uh, guy. I've been doing graphic, uh, graphics since I was as long as I can remember, man, like, elementary school I, i've I've always loved doing digital graphics and so um if you can kind of understand a lot of today's market is headed towards subscription services um so the og of subscription services is real estate you know you pay your month you pay your uh, rent every uh month you know on the first or uh without you know a drop of the dime and uh For instance, you got MSPs, uh, that's subscription-based, you know, you got X amount of seats, all right, we're going to charge you this amount, you know, per month, everything's moving towards a subscription-based system, and I'm like, man, you know, like, there's a little bit of companies out there that are moving towards subscription-based whenever it comes to graphics and design, and, you know, but... I saw this guy's business model, um, that was doing it and he was quite successful. And I'm like, well, how can I make this better? How can I tune this, um, and put this into a package that people want? And so, you know, I'm working with some buddies of mine and, and we're actually very close to completing that project and, uh, getting everything online, man. And, um, I'm, I'm a constant, I I love staying busy, man. I, I can't, if I'm sitting at home, um, and I'm not doing anything, I will literally, and I'm not kidding, Mike, I'll just drop down and start doing push-ups. Like, yeah. um, I stayed I extremely active. <laughs> you know, because, yeah. you know, you, you
0: mentioned your age, so I grew up in a different era. I grew up where Revenge of the Nerds was like the beginning <laughs> of talking about nerds and, and the pocket protectors, and, of course, they were all weak and everything else. And I noticed how many people nowadays, especially in the IT, we're making a concerted effort to be healthy and to take care of ourselves. And And you mentioned that, that you're going to the gym and doing those kinds of things. And um, you know what? Don't hold back. Um, I believe you said that your your consulting is at www.jbacyber.com. So... You know, yeah, that's and correct. you're completely welcome to upsell yourself. This is the part of the show for that. And the fact that you're staying fit and healthy. You know, I watched my, my both my parents, neither of them made it out of their eighties. And um, wow. and part of it I think or I definitely watched my father as he um started to stop moving you know he ended up getting one of those little scooters and and as he did that his health just took a dive um because he wasn't continuing to move and stay active and at that point I was like oh man I'm like uh, I think I was 35 maybe 40 at that point I said yeah I need I need to stay in shape and I need to start moving now because I can't wait till I'm 60 or 70 years old and then start trying to reverse this process
1: um yeah man and and and, you know physical health is extremely important man just as just as important as mental health and um you know when i got out of the military i i had a jacked up right knee man i did a lot of running when i was in the military man i was running marathons i was rucking i um jumping out of helicopters and so um you know, I, I remained extremely active in the military. And when I got out, you know, I would go to the park and I would just bust out five, 10 miles, 15 miles. And, you know, I noticed I started having a knee problem and I had to back away from it from a little bit and I just would stretch it out and, you know, try to take care of it the best way I can. And, um, you know, eventually that problem went away, but it scared me because I was like, man, if this problem doesn't go away, I'm not going to be able to run. Like, how else am I going to, you know, it, it really, I don't want to be down and out. Mike and I, you know, I got to stay active. I've even actually, uh, thought about putting a stationary bike in my office. Cause as you know, it guys, you know, you're, you're at the computer a lot and you know, you're, you're sitting down a lot and you're not, you're stationary. And so I'm like, man, I gotta, what can I do? You know? So like, what if I get a bike and I can just like bike while I'm looking at emails or something? And so, um, I think staying active is extremely important, and I try to, you know, stay in the gym five days uh, out of the week, and I eat pretty clean, pretty healthy, and, um, you know, I think that helps me as a professional, too, you know, to, you know, just show up and have a clean mind, be active, you know, and it, 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 I, it, I guess it drives me more to – to go to work and to solve problems and be motivated and be happy to be there. You know, Um, I think it all starts with yourself. And so, yeah, yeah, man, that's, that's kind of what I do. And um, I'm always looking for ways to grow. And you know what, I think there's another one of the hidden lessons
0: um, in life, not just in it and management and success, but just in general with life when you, when you're taking care of yourself like that, it's, it's that, that consistency and that small improvement on a on a regular basis where you've learned that, that you're not going to suddenly be bulk out and, and be able to bust out those 100 sit-ups and those 100 push-ups. You're going to have to work towards that goal. You can set that goal, but you've got to you, – you start out and you do what you can do and you keep trying to improve that and, yeah. and work towards it. And the small improvements that lead towards the major th- – major milestone
1: yeah absolutely man i mean when i got out of the military you know um one of the things i told myself is i am not gonna let myself go i am gonna continue to stay active and you know i even called my buddies up that got out of the military and the first thing i say when they get on the phone hey man when's the last time you went to the gym you know like i'm always uh you know trying to keep my friends accountable you know to make sure that they're doing the things to stay on top of their life as well. And uh, I think that's important whenever it become, whenever it comes to, you know, friendships and, and things, you know, you want to be that guy that kind of, you know, checks your friend and is like, Hey man, like you haven't been to the gym in X amount of days. I think it's time to go. Or, you know, when's the last time you went out for a run, you know, have you been dieting, you know, what's your diet looking like? And, um, you know, just, Small things like that in your life, man, um, staying, you know, a little bit active, eating right. I think it translates into the professional world as well and how you carry yourself as a professional.
0: It most definitely does. It's, it's something that I've noticed. I, I see it with the, the people, my coworkers that are successful. I see it with my peers and inside of the IT industry and, and just in, in the different industries that I interact with. That those oh, yeah. that are, are focused on that seem to have a little more focus and, and can um, can stay on task and, and recognize, you know, getting something done today. I may not win the race, but I'm going to continue to work on it. And that slow is steady. Steady is fast. That's right, Mike. You got it. You got it, buddy. All right. Well, James, it's been a wonderful conversation. Is there anything else you want to bring up or promote or, or anybody else you want to pat on the back or add to the uh, I love me" book? <laughs> uh, n-
1: no, sir. Not really. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I like what you guys are doing. I did, uh, actually, you know, when I was originally reached out to, I, uh, you know, I've been, I've listened to quite a few of y'all's episodes and I like what you guys are doing. Um, you know, I, I had actually uh, purchased the domain name, um, the cyber society. And I was thinking about doing like cybersecurity blogging and, you know, keeping up with, you know, cyber attacks going on in our industry and stuff. And, you know, due to all the other projects I'm running and and things that I got my hand dipped in, I I still have the domain and, you know, that's probably something I'll do in the future when it comes to, you know, blogging and cybersecurity. Um, but I, I really like what you guys are doing. Um, I think that, you know, um, being able to have a platform that other IT professionals and business leaders can come to to, you know, figure out what else is going on in the industry with their peers and, you know, what else is out there. You know, how else do people tackle these problems that they face as an IT professional? And it really gives you a a, a great insight, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I will definitely listen to some episodes in the future when you guys drop them Right on. Well, I'll make sure to let you
0: know as soon as this one drops and And truly appreciate the time today James thanks It's been a great conversation
1: yes sir you have a good day
0: all right you too and and everybody enjoy and keep listening to Dissecting popular it nerds thank you very oh, much yeah